Okay, we are in a new episode of the History and Politics podcast, and we have a really interesting guest. This this time we have Connor Habib, which is uh, the host of Against Everyone <laughs> with Connor Habib, and he is, has done many things, and is a very interesting person. So, hi, Connor. Hey, how are you doing? So, I was going to ask you, you you, you have uh, said that you study with, with Link Margulis and, and with, uh, I think, evolutionary biology and and I think it's it's a subject it's very discussed in the in the late uh, in the more recent times and it's very interesting because it says a lot about uh, kind of the, the evolution of humanity and 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 the and the and how we are connected with diverse groups have been having sex with not not even humans but also neanderthals and and denisovans and and it's 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 really interesting, but but on the other hand, it sometimes is used this kind of information of genetics to try to 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 justify ra racism, and it's pretty sad how how it's been used. Like the the issue with Elizabeth Warren, which was really sad how it all it happened, because at least what what I have been reading for for people that know something about genetics is that in fact the the, the genetic tests proves that she has uh, some part of, of Native American descent. But on the other hand, it also, the, the Native American population has said that Native American ancestry is defined by, by, by their own uh, tribal um, association. So, I mean, it's, it's very interesting, this kind of topic, and it's sadly taken very badly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I didn't study... I didn't study evolutionary biology in the sense of um, so so I went to school for organismic and evolutionary biology and so the organismic part which is really just examining organisms in their environments and how the organism and the environment and communities of organisms relate to each other is more what I focused on and, and part of that was because Lynn um, had a very sort of deep critique of genetics and uh sort of overemphasizing genetics too much and i you know i really think she didn't well i know she didn't um put too much stock in the standard idea of how genetics work and certainly that random genetic mutation plus natural selection equals how new species come to be and that you can learn a lot more from just looking at organisms and their environments she also said that you know the further away you get from The, or the closer you get to people, the worse the evidence gets. So meaning, you know, that's why she studied bacteria because they, they were, you know, less like people because all the prejudices start coming in the closer and closer you get to people in your study. And it's really hard to sort of filter those out. So, yeah, I mean, so yeah, it can very easily be used by racist people for racist reasons. Yeah, I mean, it, it it has also to do with with the issue of of the thinking of the the moment that that we are that we are connected in 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 this more recent globalization has made that that we are aware of of each other living in different places. I mean, the, there have been forms of globalization since very early times, but now is is kind of more noticeable how 
how we, the humanity and, and the war is, is connected. And I was wondering uh, how how do you do you came to to mysticism because you, you more or less have said in our interviews how you came to to porn, but how you came to to mysticism that that seems an interesting path. Uh, yeah, I mean that's a more difficult question to answer. I'm. I was raised without religion. Um, I mean, my parents weren't anti-religion, but I was raised without it um, and never really forced to participate. So, I mean, that definitely has something to do with it. I was never violated by, you know, uh, having religion imposed upon me and my thought structure as a kid. Uh, although I did grow up in a really sort of religious area, but we didn't have that with, I didn't have that with my parents. Um, And I was always interested in, you know, when I was a kid, they were metaphysical questions, you know, trying to understand how sort of the underpinnings of everything coming up with, you know, those questions that little kids ask, they just, they were really important to me, you know, why is the sky blue, why can't we see air, what is matter made out of, that sort of stuff. And so uh, how I came to be interested in it is, I mean, that'd be a difficult question to answer because it's been with me my whole life. Um, I just wanted to really, you know, seek to answer questions like that, to answer big questions. Um, and, uh, you know, so I sought, I guess, of, say, spiritual answers, but I would write essays, little, like, these mini essays when I was, like, very young, you know, like eight years old about, you know, heaven and what it was, even though, again, I was not raised religiously. And then I encountered some occult stuff that I read when I was very young as well and tried out all sorts of rituals. I mean, I had very strange dreams when I was a kid, um, often vivid and intense. And so I, I can't really tell you how because it's been such a lifelong thing for me and how do you connect uh, the mysticism with with sexuality um i mean <laughs> everything is everything is spiritual and evinces itself out of a spiritual sort of beingness so i don't um so i sex isn't sort of specially connected to it and in any way. I mean, everything's connected to it. So, um, it just sort of radiates out from it, just like everything else. I think that maybe one of the ways in which we can talk about it that's interesting is that sexuality and sex are really, you know, deeply related to principles of desire. Um, and desire is a deeper component of our being than, most other things. I think this is something that Freud points out really well, which is just like, we think that we are, you know, interested in knowledge. We're interested in learning this and then we learn a new thing that overturns the old thing. And then we learn a new thing that overturns that. Uh, but that's not really true. What we are, what we do is we want things, we desire things and that's running the show. And I think that that points us towards deeper principles, which eventually point us towards spirituality. So I think desire is a spiritual principle that we can investigate together. 
Yeah, I was thinking the, the the way we we get in contact was because you retweeted my 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 article that I published in, in Contrapunja a while ago about porn stars as intellectuals, and it was very interesting in 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 how this kind of developed because I, I was I remember once I, I went to to the to the book fair in in Lima the, there is a book fair in in July every every year and and there was a lot of people and it was the the day that there was a lot of people and I didn't understand why because in Peru books are not that read I mean people don't read that much so and I discovered that there was a rumor that Shasha Gray was going to to present her her book and 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 yeah and that was basically that. And it was very curious that the the day that I have seen more people at the book fair has been the day that that <laughs> it was a rumor of Sasha Gray going to to present her. Yeah, it's. I think there did is an. Int- did she did she appear? No, <laughs> no, it oh, was okay. just a rumor, but but it, it still it it worked for the people who were there. Yeah, so so how how you see this this I think it has surprised many people, but I think the I think particularly in, in the last moments that, that the Fosta Sesta law and, and a lot of persecution for, for part of the political class has made that 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 sex workers have to be much more articulate in their views. But also I think it it's very um Tadeusz Russell was mentioning that, that Daniel Bell said that uh, that America that the two keys to understand America are are, are, um, are between um, the Puritanist and the Edenist uh, impulse and and I think it's it's pretty key to to understand how how things have been happening in the last time because uh, I mean two or three years ago basically the the, the pro sex work uh, uh, movement was basically anarchists and libertarians, and there were very few socialists. Uh, and now it's kind of more broad, and it it, it was uh, almost spontaneously, and and it was really interesting how a lot of the sex workers themselves were were able to to articulate this this movement very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it was. It was just pretty obvious that, um, you know. Well, I think that there, I think that there was like an opportunity that a lot of sex workers saw to align themselves tactically, strategically with uh, socialists and Marxists um, because they the idea that like labor rights would be involved is really important so you know when we change when the term was changed from prostitution the preferred term was prostitution to sex work um you know the work part became sort of a rallying cry that we thought okay well now we can really sort of ally ourselves with you know some sort of political group but there's still a lot of i mean there's still a lot of uh, fragmentation amongst sex workers uh, where their sort of main political ideas lie. For me, my thoughts are like what gets the job done, you know, what will 
do the most for sex workers and sex work in our culture. Um, and that means creating alliances between libertarians and socialists, which is very difficult to do. Um, anarchists, um, which is a little easier. Um, and, you know, all different kinds of groups, whether they're just sex positive or whether they really do have labor concerns. There's that to me, all that is like, let's create, uh, let's create an alliance and let's create solidarity, which I suppose ultimately is actually Marxist concept, but I, um, you know, of organizing, but I don't, I find, you know, flaws and insufficiencies in all these political viewpoints, um, and I also find, you know, real assets and leverage points and fulcrums and points of power that we can use. You know, my alliance really is to sex workers, it's not to any political uh, stance, and I mean, I think that that's just true for me in general. I, if someone wants to put me on a political spectrum, of course I'm a, a leftist, but I don't like being put on that spectrum. And I, I think it really causes a lot of problems for for a lot of people, um, as much as it is useful. Yeah, I think you you once described yourself as an an individualist anarchism. It's a it's a very complex tradition, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm a total individualist. I mean, I think that that's, but that comes from a, a spiritual place, not a, but uh, doesn't come from, that comes from the spiritual place more than it comes from the political place. Um, I mean, that's the most my thoughts, honestly, and most of my perspectives, but yeah, I, but I also see, I don't, when I say that, when I say, oh, I'm an individualist anarchist, like, of course, I, I say that as a, first of all, to, like, get people to understand, you know, um, it's not necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily even use that term unless someone asked me, um, but I also don't use it to cancel out, you know, uh, collective efforts or struggle or anything like that, that's not interesting to me, this is, it's, uh, I'm really not interested in using my political stance to dominate somebody else's or to totalize the field. I mean, obviously, I think I'm correct, which is why I've adopted, you know, the, the stance that I have. But um, but it does me no good, and I don't think it's really interesting or good organizing to uh, try to you know, pit it against someone else's view. But, you know, all I mean by that is that I think that the individual is the sort of the thing we should be focusing on ultimately. This is what I focus on. Um, but not in a capitalistic, like, uh, just, just out for myself kind of way. What I mean instead is when I look at my own being as an individual and try to ask questions about what my experience is, and by experience, I mean phenomenologically. What are my actual experiences as uh, as a being? Um, what I experience in the day, in in my day, um, and in my consciousness, and let my politics unfold from there. Um, that is what I mean, and that creates all sorts of interesting pathways and directions that just adopting a political stance does not. You have mentioned experience, and, and and I remember you you were 
in other interviews they have uh, asked you about magic and and I don't know, but but one moment that that it comes to me of some descriptions of, 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 of mystical experience is something that that could sound a little strange, but what it's seeing on 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 Doctor Strange that that the reality becomes fragments of, of itself, and it's. I don't know. Is that uh, a fair representation? How? Wait, say a little more. What do you mean? Because <laughs> I, I mean, I watched Doctor Strange, but I don't really remember it. So the, tell the, me a little bit more. The, the element, the the moment when when everything uh, become parts of, of the reality, like a fragmentary reality, like a right. like a glass, in some way. Um. So what about that exactly? Though? What are you asking? About so, that? I mean, uh. How do, do we uh, understand the the, the 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 mystical experience? Because, for example, in, in Peru there there is uh, a lot of interest in in ayahuasca. No? So there there is a lot of tourism, ayahuasca tourism. The people that just came to 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 take ayahuasca and and, and there is. A, but on the other hand, uh, there are people that said that they just taking ayahuasca and not necessarily being part of of, of, of a spiritual quest it doesn't do, do much right yeah i mean yeah so people can be material spiritual or spiritual materialists in all sorts of ways um you know they can they can sort of uh talk i mean one way the sort of common way people do it is they you know make intellectual statements without any sort of spiritual experience or engagement or praxis um and that's sort of what you're talking about with the ayahuasca is another version of that is like okay so yeah people are doing it but you know it's not ensconced in any attempt to have a greater you know broader worldview i mean i i you know, recently met a bunch of people who were into the paranormal and, you know, they were like, quote unquote, ghost hunters, but they would, you know, like they were basically just sort of conservatives and, you know, they were like, let's go, you know, let's, let's go like find these ghosts, you know, and like get them out of these houses for, for Jesus, you know what I mean? Like basically like I'm going to break down the door and kick the ghosts out of the haunted house. And it was like, you know, once you really start seeing the spiritual beings or having these experiences, it should change your world entirely. It shouldn't just uh, be an accoutrement to your pre-existing worldview. And I think that that's, part of the ayahuasca thing is like it's become so absorbed into the tradition of uh you know sort of just capitalist uh western or you know whatever global north i don't know what terms people use anymore but like we'll just say american um north american united states in um you know culture now that it can just be something that people buy you know and that overwhelms the experience, and they don't really care. They just want to have a novel, new, crazy experience. So they, you know, travel somewhere and get the ayahuasca, and that's that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways in which people can have this, you know, what should be a real life-altering spiritual experience, but just totally <laughs> not be altered by it in any significant way.
and it becomes a consumer item, you know. So I, I was going to ask you, what, what have, you were writing a book, are you still writing that, that, that project came to somewhere? Um, yeah, I'm, you know, I was writing a book, um, well, I was pitching a book that was about uh, porn and culture, and that was going on for a while, and, uh, you know, I'd written quite a bit of it. And uh, people are having a really hard time with it, <laughs> um, that I sent it out to publishers and stuff. Um, I got a lot of anti-porn responses to what I sent out. So, you know, it's kind of just like rethink and revise what I'm doing and uh, sort of take a different approach. Um, I mean, I think that... I. I I think that anybody that's writing about sex or sexuality, much less pornography, encounters a lot of these challenges, you know, when they're trying to engage with a broader market. Yeah, I, I suppose it's, it's pretty difficult. I think that despite that the, the porn is uh, quote-unquote becoming more mainstream because even like mainstream news sites put uh, something about the uh, porn hub statistics and things like that, but that but still, I think that there is a lot of prejudice everywhere, and, and yeah, I think it's it's still something that, that that's going to change. I think very slowly, because mm -hmm. porn is like has been for basically a, a large part of the 20th century, and still there is a, a lot of prejudice, and and, and yeah, it's it's complicated. Mm -hmm. um, I think we could leave it here. And so, what could could people should uh, read? Um, what are your current projects beyond uh, your podcast? And are you doing implementing new new changes, new new projects beyond that? <laughs> I mean, not really. Like I'm just uh, you know, right now the podcast is the main thing linked to my Patreon. So um, I have my I have my, uh, it's like patreon.com forward slash Connor Aviv, and that's like, I talk to everybody that engages with my podcast there too, you know. So um, that's just some community building that I'm trying to do. Um, and so that's, uh, that's the space where I, you know, put out a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm always writing, I'm always doing stuff, but as far as my public output, what the stuff that I can talk about or really sort of reveal, that's pretty much it. It's just the podcast right now. I've decided to really focus on that. Yeah, so thank you. And people should follow you on Twitter and support you on Patreon and, and, and listen to, to your podcast. It's really one of the more interesting podcasts I have hearing it in a long time and it's, it has been great talking to you I hope to, uh -huh. to talk to you already thanks man hopefully we'll have a little more time next time to, to go a little deeper because uh, I'd be happy to talk to you more yeah it was great man <laughs> okay bye